Today, we're going to be talking about a, um, a very hot-button issue, a very hot-button topic, and the word that we are hearing a lot is deconstructing. Um, you hear a lot of uh, celebrity Christians or celebrities in general or uh, pastors or musicians or whatever that are deconstructing their faith. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to take a look at that and say, well, what does that mean? What do you mean you're deconstructing? Is that good? Is that bad? Should we do that? Um, so, you know, we were thinking about deconstructing and it's kind of fresh on our minds. We're fresh off a uh, mission trip and, uh, dad got a chance to speak and he actually used the term deconstructing and, uh, spoke to that. And uh, it was a it was a really good message. It was a really good time. It was one of those times where we had a really good time with the number of students that we had, and began the whole series with a video series of buildings that were being Im- imploded, mm-hmm. uh, where we they take all the charges and shape charges and cause the buildings to fall. I even had one of our students who made a comment. He said, "I had no idea <laughs> you could start a sermon." off with blowing up buildings, which was kind of cool for us as guys, obviously. But the point being is every time you tear down one of those buildings, every time you implode one of those big stadiums, it's not just so that you can have a, a... a pile of rubble is so that you can then do some reconstruction and build something back even bigger and better than ever before. Yeah, that's one of the things they said in uh, in the video. The narrator was talking about the reason we're doing it. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, it's a lot of destruction, and and it can be even emotionally difficult for people that spent years building this building and it comes down in fifteen seconds. Um, but the purpose, and they distinctly made this point and you made this point is it's not just for the purpose of deconstruction it's for the purpose of rebuilding bigger better more modern safer whatever um in the building world but that's the problem is that we deconstruct and then we don't reconstruct yeah i think that what we're running into right now is really more of a buzzword yeah sometimes we call these things movements and they're not really a movement because a movement is taking you to a place it's going from one place to another place and what i'm seeing in the culture and a lot of um, people that we would look up to being christian artists or those that have been in the ministry or those that have had what i would call and black would be called in experiencing god a crisis of belief yes then they start deconstructing their faith. Maybe what I've believed is not true. Maybe that is not what I really believe. So I really don't think deconstructing per se, if you want to use that word, is a bad thing as long as then once we get to the base, to the foundation, then we know what we are built on, what we've built our life on, be it scripture, be it a religious creed, be it a church, whatever it may be, that once we get to the foundation, then we rebuild mm-hmm. and our faith becomes bigger, better, and stronger. Uh, Matt, I'll tell you, one of the things that frustrated me as a young man a long time ago is that no one told me that I would doubt as a Christian. I, I thought that once you became a Christian that you wouldn't have doubts. So not being raised in a church environment, I assume because I was having doubts, then I must not be a, a Christian yes. or that the faith wasn't real or the Bible wasn't real because no one told me that as a Christian, and if you're hearing this and no one's ever told you this, let me tell you up front, if you haven't doubted, you will. And it's 
okay. It is okay. I want you to go to look at a scripture. It's in Matthew 28, right about the Great Commission. It's just one of those one of those fresh things on my mind where that where Jesus has told the disciples to go to the mountain that he's going to in Galilee, and, and he tells them to meet him there. And when they meet them, meet Jesus there on the mountain, it says they meet him and they worshiped him. But the next, the next line, honestly, is comma, but some doubted. To me, that is the most encouraging words that I can have out, out of that particular text. Yeah, that's Matthew twenty eight sixteen. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And it's so funny because this is after the resurrection. They are literally looking at the risen, crucified Jesus. They, they, they watched him die. They mourned his loss. They saw him risen again. They've had experiences with him. They, they, he appeared in their midst in the closed room. You had Thomas, who is unfortunately, the poor man has been labeled as a doubter. Really, he should be Thomas the Honest because he's the only one that said, hey, I don't believe it. All the other guys were like, no, 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 I believe it. Yeah, bull. I don't believe you for a second. You doubted too. No, I didn't. You know, and, uh, and, and Thomas, who was the doubter, well, no, they all did. It said, and some of them, not just one, more than one doubted. And they're looking at the resurrected Jesus. Well, think about it. They've had this faith. They've been with Jesus for three years. They have seen miracles take place. They've watched him walk on water. They've watched him calm the sea. They've watched him feed the 5,000. They've watched him raise Lazarus from the dead, whom they were sitting at a dinner table with him yes. when his sister anoints Jesus' <laughs> feet with this great uh, alabaster um, perfume, al mm -hmm. alabaster box of perfume. So they see all these things take place. They see the resurrection. Uh, Peter and some of the other, you know, Peter for sure, they're up on the mountain of transfiguration. Yeah. Not only do they, you know, they're seeing Moses and all this kind of, and they doubted. I think that we as the Christian people need to back up a little bit and and cut some slack to people that have doubts right now. Yeah. Because if you haven't had doubts, you will have doubts. Yeah, there's nobody that's a super Christian. And for you to sit here, it, it's arrogant to say, well, I've never doubted. Okay, Peter. You know, uh, what did Jesus call Peter? Oh, Satan. Okay, you know, it's it's you you have to you have to cut the slack. But the problem is that people they just go, well, I don't believe anymore. Okay, what do you not believe? That's that's a loaded that's a loaded statement. You know, and are is it is it Jesus you don't believe, or is it the church, or is it this statement, or is it? this denomination what is it that you're deconstructing it's totally fine you know um every denomination has something that you're going to disagree with one of my favorite is you said you know that you're you're part of a particular uh, uh organization not because you agree with them but because you disagree with them the least absolutely and the thing about doubt is that, and it's something that I've said for a long period of time doubt should not cause you to go to despair mm. it should cause you to go deeper. I thought that was a great, in your message when you said that the other night, I thought that was incredible because too often people get to that crisis of belief, which I think is a better, uh, a I better think it's a better term. Yeah. And that was, uh, if you've never heard that, that's Experiencing God, the Bible study from the mid nineties where it was Claude V. King and Henry uh, T. Blackaby. And they created this incredible study and uh, had seven maxims in it. And one of them was, uh, you know, see where God's working, join him there. Uh, God used, my favorite was God uses the Bible prayer circumstances in the church to, uh, to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. But one of the things is you will meet a crisis of belief. And their whole um, artwork and their whole thing was Moses at the burning bush. And, and, and they talked about that. Moses had a crisis of belief. Are you going to believe me 
or are you not? Are you going to follow me or are you not? Abraham had many and he failed a lot of them. That's one thing I love about scripture is that you don't have this whitewashed history. That's why I believe it's real and it's really what happened. It's not fables. It's not fairy tales. The scripture tells you, because if, if that's the case, if you're telling and you want to make your history, your country's history look amazing, you're not going to leave in the dirt of your king having an affair and murdering his close advisor, you know, his his mighty man who he is basically his secret service, have an affair with his wife, murder him, cover it up, lose the child. Uh, that's not that doesn't look good for you, David. Oh no, you're the man after God's own heart. So when you look at history, the Bible history, and you see all the great quote unquote heroes of the faith that had these crises of belief, they did not walk away because they failed. And they failed to believe, and yet they continued on in faith in Jesus. So here's what we need to talk about. We need to figure out, the question is, it's not deconstructing the faith that's the problem. The problem is destroying and abandoning your faith. One of the problems is in deconstruction is that too many people have this ideology that once you have a deconstruction of faith, and that means that you're going to go to defaith, and that is you no longer have any faith whatsoever. Right. That's not an automatic when you have a deconstruction of faith, when you have a crisis of belief, then what we need to do is peel that thing back, take it down to what's causing that problem. I think you said it very well just a moment ago. There are people in our in our culture today that are deconstructing their faith because they've been hurt by the church. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's a newsflash. The church is not the organization. This church is the people. Yep. They've been hurt by us. They've been hurt by the believers that are out there. So that could be one of the issues that we they have to deal with. I can tell you as a teenager, long, long time ago, that I came across a crisis of belief when I was probably about 17, might have been 18 years of age. I've, I was hurt by some friends. I was hurt by Christian students. Uh, I was feeling an abandonment by my youth group at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as a guy that was not raised in church and had the foundational truth of Christmas and Easter, so I was pretty shallow <laughs> at best, but I was hurt by these guys, and I withdrew, and I withdrew from all of them, and I'm trying to figure this thing out, and I had a non-Christian guy say to me, hey, I see you've been going through some stuff. I see you don't love Jesus anymore. And that statement woke me up a little bit Oh wow! because – I still love Jesus. Yeah. Jesus was my friend. Jesus is my savior. He walks with me, all that kind of stuff. I wasn't having a crisis of belief with Jesus. I was having a crisis of belief with Christian people. Mm -hmm. My standard, although I didn't have much, was much higher than those that had been in the Christian faith much longer. Now, we're teens, so it's not like we've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. But they had known Christ longer than I had, and my standard was much higher, and that's where my love for the Scripture came in. But it had to be that crisis of belief, and I didn't abandon everything. In fact, I had a group of those friends that had hurt me come to my house, and we were talking. They say, what happened? Where did, we, where did we drop the ball? That sort of thing. We had a great conversation. They apologized. We were friends and are still friends to this day. Wow. But it was a crisis of belief. You can call it deconstruction if you like. But I got to the point where the pain was. You address the pain, and I didn't have to go any deeper. I think that there are individuals now that once they start that deconstruction, and they get an answer, they're on this thing of, well, maybe I need to tear down even more. Yeah. And I don't think you always need to do that. We, we've been on a mission trip where they, they do a lot of repairs for decks and, and wheelchair ramps and stuff, and you don't have to tear out all of it. Maybe you only have three or four boards that are rotten. Yeah. Well, let's just replace those instead of replacing everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's all you need. 
Yes, there are those times when the foundation is not good and you have to tear everything down. But most of the time, I think that we have to get to the point and get questions answered by the Lord, by God, by the Holy Spirit, by Scripture, by friends, by the church, ever how God speaks to us. Maybe a Christian song, who knows? It could be a sunrise or a sunset. But once God answers those questions... Stop the tearing down, mm. and let's start the rebuilding process. Yeah, I was reading this morning, actually, even um, A.W. Tozer's Pursuit of God, and one of the things that he was talking about, and he wrote this in 1948, and, and he, he was just like, we're, we're adding too much. We've got too much trappings. We've got too much periphery. We need God. Simple, simple God. You know. And what we're doing is a lot of times we'll tear down and we'll go, well, I don't believe this doctrinal proof, and I don't believe this doctrine. Okay, fine. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't go, okay, I don't believe in Calvinism, or I don't believe in Arminianism, therefore God is. No way, whoa, hey, that's don't pull on that thread too hard. Um, nobody's got it figured out. There are certain things that it's okay. Man, we're going to question that till eternity, and that's okay. There are things that you got to start with. Jesus died and crucified and risen again, step one. God's rescue plan for the world, step two. You know what I mean? It's like there, there are bases that... You you got to start with. Then you start. I think what I think what really happens is the deconstructing of your faith is not necessarily deconstructing of your faith. It's more trying to figure out how my faith matches a changing culture, and I'm getting conflicting words, and I'm getting conflicting messages between what Scripture says and what my world is saying. And I think really what's happening is. That's where our crisis of faith is. It's not in, is God real? A lot of times, sometimes it is. But that's where, if you go too deep on it. Um, now, again, we're not saying that you you shouldn't just scrap all, start at square one. Sometimes that is needed. But the problem is that a lot of times people just go, I'm having a hard time reconciling this thing I believe with the church or with Scripture, and therefore... None of it can be real. Right. And I think that where you where you have to really get to is where is your starting point? Let's peel everything back. For me, my standard is going to be Scripture. Yes. In Scripture, I'm going to go to the New Testament. Why? Because it tells me of Jesus. Let me go to the Gospels. All the things that Jesus did, all the miracles he did, the, the resurrection from the dead, the crucifixion and dying on the cross for my sins. Let me pull it back even further. Let me go back to the Sea of Galilee where he sees Peter and he says something very simple. And we make it very complex. Mm-hmm. But he said two words, follow me. If we follow Jesus... Follow Christ, follow him, follow his word, follow his teachings. Now, the church may have a system. We we as men have a way of taking things, say, okay, well, just give me six steps on how to get there. Mm-hmm. That's You can't have a marriage relationship that way and say, well, give me these six <laughs> steps of how to have this relationship with my spouse. You're in trouble because that is religion. That's not a relationship. Yeah. With Jesus, it's a relationship. And I want to tell you, there are times in your Christian walk, it doesn't make sense with the culture. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense even within your own self. If you're seeking God's will for your life and you happen to be in, in, let's say, part A over here, and all of a sudden God is moving you to part G over here, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't to us or to the culture, but it does make sense to what God is saying. And you see that all through Scripture. Yeah. And that's where you have to go back to. Well, and, and, and you have to, one of the, you know, you're talking about going back to the basics, and one of the basics is faith, the Bible, and culture will not line up. It, it it won't because you know you you came across an incredible statement. I still love it. At its core, 
Christianity is a counter-cultural revolutionary movement. Absolutely. And it's easy for us. Dad lives in Kentucky. I live in Tennessee. We live in the Bible Belt, where it's like everybody and their mom knows Jesus or has heard of Jesus or whatever. And it's very rare that you find somebody that knows nothing about Jesus. And outside of that area, there's plenty of people. There's tons that do. Um, And so for me, growing up in the church, in a very sheltered environment, uh, if you will, it was like, well, everybody knows Jesus. How is Christianity countercultural? Everybody knows Jesus. Absolutely not. If you were to take Christianity away from the world for a year, you would see what square one looks like. There is no morality. There is no right and wrong. There is no justice. Even if people say, well, the church is oppressive and there is no more... Ju-. No, absolutely not. The, the Judeo-Christian values um, are what helps the United States run, for instance. And you have to have a basis for right and wrong. If you do not have a basis for right and wrong, that's what you're seeing happening now in our culture. And it's becoming this wildly variable culture where you never know what you're going to see. You never know. One one Monday and the next Monday, things are completely different. What's acceptable, what's not. And um, so our culture is always going to be counter to Scripture. That doesn't mean... Scripture needs to change. Right. And that and that's why when you trust Scripture and you trust the God who brought us the Scripture, I know that the Scripture teaches me that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow or forever, which means is I do not serve a fickled God that on Monday after I've had a hard day at church on Sunday, a long day, not when I say hard day, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of different it's things. emotionally invested. And I'm tired on Monday. Yeah. That doesn't mean on Monday that when I go to God, he's going to be the mean ogre God that, that's about to throw a lightning bolt at me. Mm-hmm. God is love. He's God. God is love on Sunday. He God is love on Monday. Now, I may not feel it, mm-hmm. but God didn't change. And the culture shifts and changes, and the culture is those that are in charge, those that have the loudest voice, those are the standards that's going in, those are the trends that are being set. That's what the culture is. And currently, there is this culture of this whole thing of deconstructing your faith. I just like the word better of a crisis of belief. Crisis means we got to do something about it. Well, it's our belief. Well, we need to do something about our belief. Personally, it needs to be stronger. Mm -hmm. The more that we are walking in tune with God and in His will and in His way and in His teachings, the better it is for me because I'm not responsible for the consequences God is. Because if I follow Scripture... And, and follow it according to what he has laid out there, then God is responsible for the consequences. When I'm outside his will, I'm outside his way, I'm outside his teaching, then that consequence falls on me. And if you want to see what that looks like, look at the culture as mm-hmm. a whole that doesn't walk with God. Is it better or is it worse? I would surmise it's worse because of where we are right now as a country, as a culture, as a world, as a whole. Mm-hmm. So let's say a person uh, is listening and they say, you know, man, I'm having a hard time. And they, and they want to use that term deconstructing their faith. You know, hey, man, I'm just, I'm just struggling. And what it, whatever it may be, whether it may be, is God real? Or it could be something as simple as, um, you know, I, I don't believe in the infallibility or the inerrancy of Scripture or the authority of Scripture or, you know, man, I've been listening to other people and they say, well, the earth is billions of years old and somebody says, no, it's, you know, 800 years old or whatever. Um, 
if a person is struggling with their faith and a person is struggling with, man, I don't know who I am. I don't know who God is. What do you, what do you think? What would be a good thing for them to do? You know, where, like where should they start? If they're, if they're struggling with their faith, they're struggling with all this, should they, you know, I don't know. Should, should they find a trusted friend? Should they find a minister? Should they find somebody outside the church? Should they, you know, what, what do you think they should do? Sure. And, and my answer may not fit everybody because everybody's in a different environment and you're in a different place in this crisis of belief or this deconstruction. So it may be different for everyone. But I think for me, even though I may not have all those answers and I'm really struggling with some things, this is going to sound crazy. I think you start with prayer to the God you're struggling to believe. Mm. And here's why. God is God. Even if I don't believe he's there or not, he is. I believe he is. And I've experienced him before in my own life. So what I would recommend is you spend time in prayer and tell him exactly how you feel. Now, there'll be some people that will disagree with me. That's okay. I think you can yell at God. I think that you can scream at God and you can be angry and you can tell God that you don't like this and you're frustrated and God, where are you? Where were you when my grandmother passed away? Where were you when my, my father-in-law or my mother-in-law passed away? Where were, I think it's okay. I think that yeah. 9-11 proved that, that yeah. when those planes hit those two twin towers and thousands of people died, people for the first time and maybe all their life was asking, where is God in all this? And well, for the first time, they understand free will. And you have an uh, example of that in Scripture. We have a book called Lamentations. Like, it is people pouring out their hearts to God going, it's as bad as it could possibly be. Where are you? Look at the book of Psalms. You got David. Um, we were looking at a uh, psalm last night and um, in, in, uh, in, in our Bible study and everything, and there's one right before it where... Um, uh, there, there, there was a, there was a. It's in the seventy Psalm seventy seven seventy six where David is struggling, and it's just awful, 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 awful. And then there's a turn, and he said, "But I will trust." And he turns back. It's almost like this Psalm is specifically him deconstructing, hitting that point. And resetting. I, I think it's common. I just think all of a sudden now because of the social media platform, we've got so many people that are coming back and, and, and they have a big platform. And because of that, and so many people look up to them that others are falling in, into that, that trap, so to speak, and say, I'm going to be like them and I'm going to deconstruct my faith. You don't need to deconstruct your faith because somebody else may be going through a crisis of belief. Really what you need to do is to be strengthened in your faith so that you can help those that are going through this deconstruction of their faith. Faith. Once we realize that we are to help one another, we go through some of these times so that we can help somebody else when they go through that time. So, yeah, exactly. And, and it's we're in an unprecedented time where um, you don't have to have a multi-million dollar facility or or a or a billion member church to be heard. All you got to do is have an iPhone. Or, or or an Android, if you're, you know, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, no, we're not slacking on anybody. Here, I promise. <laughs> but all you got to do is have a smartphone and an internet access, and you've got a platform. Um, the 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 scripture I was looking at was Psalm seventy seven, and if you read the first, uh, there's uh, twenty verses in it, and the first nine is nothing but despair. You know, David's saying things like, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and He will hear me in the day of my trouble. And he talks about, you know, when I remember God, I moan. Uh, he says, uh, will the Lord spurn forever? Verse seven, uh, verse nine, has God forgotten to be gracious? Like he's just, where's God, you know? And then in verse 10, he says, then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the most high. Verse 11, he turns and he says, 
I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes. I'll remember, remember your wonders of old. I'll ponder all your, and, he, and he comes back. I think um, the, the phrase that they used to use, you know, 150 years ago was Ebenezer. Right, we um, those those markers. The reason we set those points up is so that when you hit that point of despair, you've got somewhere to look. And I, I've hit this myself. Um, I was uh, I had a hard experience with the church, and um, you know I lost my job, I lost my friends, I lost everything, and it was I felt abandoned by God. I felt abandoned by everything. And I was like, well, what a, is God even intervening in my life? And then I stopped and I looked back and I said, man, I remember this day in, uh, in, in the spring of 2009 when God revealed himself to me and I experienced his love in a real way. Man, I remember when I was six years old and I've said yes to him. I remember when I was 17 and I surrendered to the call of the ministry. I remember these moments and more throughout my life where, man, that's where God showed up. Okay. Okay, God hasn't abandoned me. Now I can start from here. And and, and the thing about it, you said it in just a second ago, it says when it happens. It's not if. Right. Listen, I'm going to tell everyone listening, you're going to have a crisis of belief. You are going to have those doubts. You can do the, re- the deconstruction, but the point is once you get there, you have to do that reconstruction. I believe you start with God because when you tell God how you feel— Listen, he already knows anyway, so right. why, why are you trying to hide it from an all-knowing God? That's mm-hmm. that's really dumb. Um, so you go ahead and you tell God how you feel, and you pour out your heart to him. And then personally, because I write and you write, we kind of journal a lot, and I just write down, even if it's on a sheet of paper, God, I'm so angry. This is why I'm hurting. I don't understand. It feels good to get that out of you, to put that on paper, to look at it. And then all of a sudden, I personally believe you will start having thoughts and moments, or if you want to call it a coincidence, you can, <laughs> where that all of a sudden you'll start seeing God showing up. Why? Because you're focusing on God where you were not focusing before. You were focusing on your pain. You were focusing on the hurt. I'll give you a practical example. As a youth pastor, I always do things in, in analogies, metaphors, that kind of stuff. All I know is that uh, several years ago, uh, the Lord gave me a, a red pickup truck. Uh, I'll use that as an example. I, I had a silver truck, and uh, so now I got this red pickup truck. It was amazing the number of red pickup trucks I saw on the interstate. <laughs> Now they had they, were always, there. they had always been there, <laughs> but I had no need to look at red pickup trucks until I owned one. So right. I use that as an example. When I start talking to God, when I start focusing on God, when I'm focusing on His Word, all of a sudden I start seeing God. I see His Word. I see all the things that I did not see before. All of a sudden, there's a focus there and a realization that He has been there all along. So you start with that which you're struggling with. I've told students for years about being in the Word, staying in the Word, that sort of thing. If you would just get mad and tell God, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to have a quiet time. I don't want to get up and do this. I'm mad at you. Amen. Get up. Go get your Bible. Read it. Spend time with God and talk to Him. You, I, I almost guarantee you God's going to show up because you were finally real and quit playing the game. It reminds me of there was a Chris Rice was one of my favorite uh, musicians, uh, and, he, and he writes uh, incredibly honest music. And one of them, in uh, one of his early albums, he read, wrote a song called "Big Enough," and it says, "God, if you're there, I wish you'd show me. God, if you're there, then I need you to know me. I hope you don't mind me asking the questions, but I figure you're big enough." And and it's it's you know because I can remember when I was a teenager, and I'd be like, "I got a question for you." You're like, "All right." You were big enough to take the questions. God is even bigger. God is, and, and God is 
the one to have the answers, and it's okay to ask God. We live our lives in such, yes, we should have reverence. Yes, we, we should have awe. Yes, we should have that holy fear. Um, but that doesn't mean to be afraid and distant and that he is so far removed. God wants us to come to him. God wants us to be part of that. And he wants us to question because he doesn't want autonomous robots that are just going to be doing, you know, doing their own thing, you know, doing exactly, you know, he programmed you to do this, to do this, to do this. That's not love. That's not relationship. If you have to, if you have no choice, if you have nothing outside of that, God designed us to be able to say, I'm not sure. And that's why I'm mean, that's what brought sin into the world. But that's the beauty of the relationship of God is that he comes after you to pursue you. And he says, man, I want you to want me as well. And so you've got to start. So that's the first step, I think. I think you've got to start back. So um, we're going to kind of wrap it up here today. So let's just kind of recap what we've talked about a little bit. So, you know, we've talked about reconstruct, uh, deconstructing your faith. It's a hot button issue. It's a big topic right now. And um, you've got the, the problem is that people are deconstructing and not reevaluating and returning. They're getting to a point where they say, well, I don't believe this anymore. And, and I think that there are some people that they get to that point, but I think they're being lazy to be honest with you. Uh, and people say, well, what if they deconstruct their faith and they find that it's not real? Well, it may not be real in their heart. That doesn't mean that it's not real in general. And I think what happens is people deconstruct to the point and they, and, and people say, well, what if I deconstruct my faith, my faith and I find that there's nothing there? Well, that's not God's fault. That's not Scripture's fault. That's your belief system. And I think that's a great place to start and say, okay, I'm going to follow this. That's where we get the problem is that people abandon and um, they don't reconstruct. And so, and what we talked about was that step one for reconstructing is God. Step one is God. You know, you got to get down to your basis and say, okay, who is God? What is God? And I'm going to talk to him and say, teach me. So I think that's a great place to uh, to kind of wrap it up and just say, okay, that's our our start. So next time, uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about, okay, start with God, then what? Then what? All right. Thanks for listening. Check out wewerethinking.org for more episodes or drop us a note to info at wewerethinking.org.